We're looking for two oil boys who can grease us up before each competition. You do the thing you're scared shitless of, and you get the courage after you do it. That's the way it works. That's the dumbass way to work. It should be the other way around. You'll have to excuse my friend. The town is back that way. You should make a radical change in your lifestyle. I mean, the core of man's spirit comes from new experiences. That's the way it works. Don't worry, we'll catch our break too. Just gotta keep our eyes open. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Looks Like We're Lost, Episode 9. My name is Dustin Redazel, and joining me is a man who shows up to this podcast like Bernie Sanders shows up to an inauguration. It's Tommy Cooksey. It just feels like, uh, uh, by the way... I love everything about the memes that are being made with with him, with his you know legs crossed, arms crossed. It's, it's uh, I'm here. What more the do best. you? I'm here. What more do you want? <laughs> I showed up. <laughs> so I think that's hilarious. I, man. I feel like um, it's it's amazing to me that Bernie Sanders, like when he first came around, and there was like the hashtag Feel the Burn and. Like he started off in my consciousness is a little bit of a joke. Mm-hmm. And it's like the crazier that politics has gotten, the more left right that things have gotten. Him just talking about goal oriented solutions, even if you disagree with his solutions, he sounds like the sanest person on the planet. It's you're it's like absolutely this guy's right. saying some really smart stuff. You're absolutely right, man. And it's not like his talk track changes from week to week. He doesn't ebb and flow with emotion. He's just like, these are my convicted beliefs. I believe them very strongly. I've spent like 80 years <laughs> honing them. Yeah. And these are the salu- these are the ways that I think we can get them done. And it's like, that's it. Very practical. So pragmatic. Yeah, I saw... Uh... For those who didn't listen to our last podcast, uh, episode eight, we had on uh, Jeremy Moeller, um, a writer, uh, talks a lot about um, how we can build systems for the public good, uh, taking, I think it's fair to use the word since he did, a socialist angle on improving mm-hmm. uh, American well-being. And so <laughs> I... I clicked into his Instagram stories today and he had a clip from Bernie Sanders uh, page where somebody asked him like, Hey, what do you think about bringing right and left together and meeting in the middle? And along the lines of what you're saying, like he just, he hit his talk track. He's like, I don't even know where the middle is when we're just talking about people (laughs) who are, who need to make more money like is this a right or left thing here like we've got people in debt like what does the middle mean and you can tell he's like aggravated with the question itself which you can't blame the man for it's like how long does he need to say these things and then to still get a question like that it's like now that we've been thinking more about the questions we ask people uh now that we're doing the podcast yeah i just thought i would be so embarrassed if we ask somebody who like, "Hey, this has been my life's work. I'm on the record." <laughs> and then you ask them something, something like that. It just seems insane. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's like you know, 
if if he was any lesser of a person, he would just look at him and just say, "Did you even do your homework? <laughs> like, did you do your research here?" Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know who you're talking to, right? I, I ran for president. Like, this this isn't right. a secret. I haven't been. Yeah. This hasn't been on live blog. Like, the news right. is out. This right. Is, this is my thing. Did you uh, did you actually watch any of the inauguration stuff? Yeah. Well, you know, I I caught as much as I could. I was on a on a call with a European team who there most of Europe is, is fairly, if not extremely interested. Like they, they watch, hmm. you know, you know, C, CNN or C-SPAN or BBC. And I got a lot of congratulations on your new president kind of thing, which maybe hmm. we'll talk about a little bit today. Um, so I have some thoughts around that, but you know, well, let's hear them. Well, I was going to say what, what I saw in the inauguration that I thought was really cool. It, First of all, I love that Garth Brooks was there, and and I loved that true to his most famous song, he showed up in boots. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, don't change, Garth. I mean, you know. Although I will say, I watched his documentary on Netflix, and it was kind of awful. It, yeah. Only for the fact that he, anytime he says something, he get, looks at the camera like it's the most profound thing that's ever been said in life. Like he'll look at the camera and just say, "Well, you know, it is what it is," and it's like, "Dude, dude that's <laughs> that's not going on a bumper sticker, man. That's not even going in a song." Well, I think the thing that makes Garth Brooks terrible in a documentary is the exact same thing that makes him an incredible performer. So Garth Brooks is like one of Katie's favorite, if not favorite artist of all time. Can't blame her. And so she's been to see him in concert several times. I, she took me once when uh, he came to Raleigh. And the guy puts on one of the best shows I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I've heard this. Like you look at his body type and <laughs> he shouldn't have the amount of energy right. he's able to bring to the stage. And so I, I say all that to say he's a performer. Yep. He has been so famous for so long. And for people who aren't super into country music, I don't think they understand how famous this guy actually is. Right. And it has been, and you, you had to know he was weird because he had that whole Chris Gaines period. Like he's gone through some, some oddball. Yeah phases of his life but because he's such a performer when you actually put in something that thrives off of authenticity like <laughs> a hey the camera is this close to your face it's time to look like a real person mm-hmm. and he's doing exactly what you're saying yeah it falls flat i watched it too felt the same way we, we didn't get through it we watched you know as much as we could and then it was like yeah but uh you know i i thought it was so back back to the so i loved that I loved how much effort he put into <laughs> yeah, uh, the singing of. Uh, what I did didn't he know sing? I was going to have. He he sang "God Bless America." What, what did he sing? I think he sang "God Bless America." Yeah, I, sorry, I shouldn't have talked that long about Garth Brooks. I didn't know I had nope. like takes ready to fire. Oh, I mean, it, you know, and let me just say that you brought that one home because I didn't know where you were going with it, <laughs> and it, and it landed. It stuck. <laughs> Um, I, I loved, and I, and you know, I, I could look it up, but I only have one arm right now, but 
uh, the 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 poem reciting was fantastic. I mean, just very moving, very well said. And for someone, I think she was twenty two or twenty three years old. It's like she. You're talking about Amanda Gorman. Yes. It's like she just has lived in the spotlight her whole life. Her delivery was like, I mean, dude, this is potentially the most watched inauguration maybe of all time. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And to just go up there and deliver was was awesome. Very powerful. Did you watch it? No, I know a lot of... I didn't watch it. Um, I don't know, man. It's one of those things. Like, I know, I know what's happening here. And... I, me not watching it doesn't underscore my feeling that it's unimportant or dismissible. Sure, I do think that the I do think that the presidential inauguration is always a banner day, and it's like it's an opportunity for us all as a country, to like put a stake in the ground and be better than we were before. And that's that's whether the previous administration was beloved or you know, was an insane clown president. Right. Right. Like either way, it's, it's an important event, Mm -hmm. but you know, I've got a two week old daughter and a 21 month, 23 month old son and I'm on leave and we don't do a lot of screen time with the kids. Yeah. So I was just out and basically following along via memes, uh, and reading stuff later, but, I do know, I saw some of the clips of Amanda Gorman. Um, I was mostly intrigued by it because a future guest we're having on the show, uh, Grace Casey, she has an adopted daughter, and her daughter is black. And she posted something uh, about, like, her daughter wants to be Amanda Gorman when she grows up. And I was like, I totally get it. it. It inspired me to, like, at least tune into that portion of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for me, man, I'm, I'm glad that they do an artistic portion to the inauguration. Yeah. Uh, I, I haven't really thought through like a good angle on that, but it seems like everything that I feel about a new president, you know, new president, new country. It's like new year, new me. It's like everything I feel about that is best said through art by somebody who is good at putting feelings into words and comes at it from a third party perspective of an individual yeah, saying something that is holistic to the entirety of the country instead of, you know, a politician with a, uh, a constituent base to appeal to. Right. Right. So, yeah, you know, for me, that always sticks. Yeah. You know, and, and, and as I mentioned, you know, I had like, you know, people that were congratulating me on, on a new president and stuff like that. And, you know, it's one of those things like, you know, I, I do my civic duty. I, I vote, you know, I care as much as I can about, you know, the political landscape and stuff like that. But at the same time, I think we as a people put a little bit too much emphasis or too much of our, of ourselves can be lost in who is the president of the country. 
Now, sure. Now that that's again coming from a place of someone who has never had any of my rights qu- questioned, or my ancestors have had nev- ne- none of my rights questioned. Like, you know, like we talk about. Um, we talked a lot about like um, slavery and and stuff like that. Um, the history of America last week. You know, we, you know, you think about like uh, rights for uh, people with with varying sexuality. And none of those things have are, are hang in the balance of a vote of a president, right? Mm-hmm. So, but so so I, I understand it, but I also you know am. I try to remove myself from that and say, well, this person is still just a man or maybe, or maybe one day a woman with flaws and Mm -hmm. feelings and emotions. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, if you think about something simple, like a police, you know, simple, but someone like a police officer, we look at them like they're superhumans and they should never do anything wrong, but they also carry baggage and, you know, fights with their spouses and kids that might get under their skin a little bit. And so, you know, it's dangerous, I think, when we, whether whether you were a Trump supporter or whether you hated Trump to the core of your soul, both of those are dangerous because they're going to move on, right? And if you put mm-hmm. too much of your value in another human being like that, that doesn't even know you, <laughs> then... Then, yeah. then you're setting yourself up, and it's just like you know, hey, it's great. You know, I, I admittedly I wasn't a big fan of, of Donald Trump. I just wasn't. Um, but it's not like some of the dangerous ideologies that he sprung, maybe emboldened, are gone because he's not the president anymore. In the same way that just because now Joe Biden is president, that. There's no friction in Washington, D.C., and all these things, the problems are solved. Like, maybe we're heading in the right direction. But I also have my doubts about politicians in general (laughs) and who they're really beholden to, you know? So, I don't know. It's the same way you said. We celebrate a new president with an inauguration in a similar way that we celebrate changing from December 31st to January 1st. Like, you mm-hmm. know, my, my dad's not a big, like, birthday guy. He's, you know, we, we don't, he never made a big deal out of it. He just got older. And he's like, it's just another day. You know, I'm just, it's, you know, I'm older, a year older, but I've been getting a year older for 364 days. This is just the day that signifies it. And so, I don't know. I, I guess it, all this to say, you know, it felt like when maybe say like someone like Barack Obama was elected, it's like, wow, that that feels like real progress, right? Mm. I guess you know, and and Kamala Harris being the Madam Vice President, that that's that's big time, man. You have a daughter now, like we're pretty close. You know, it's it's it won't. You know, I think I said it's no. I saw someone tweet or something. It's like saying Madam Vice President is no longer a fictional character, you know. So there's some gravity yeah, there too. Yeah, I think the there's definitely some gravity there and and it definitely matters and you know, I've I've said this on at least on Instagram before. Um it's just I'm just not a policy-wise and part of this is that you know, <laughs> I probably listened to too much Joe Rogan in the uh the primaries. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm just not a big uh, 
Kamala Harris fan for like her in particular, but having a female vice president is huge, huge, huge. Yeah, yeah. And so, kind of two quick thoughts on this. The first one being, uh, I read Melinda Gates' book, The Moment of Lift, earlier this year, mm-hmm. and it's all about empowering. Uh, women and ways that we could do that around the world and why that would be so beneficial to, uh, you know, true to the name of the book, like lifting global well-being as a whole, mm-hmm. you know, and Warren Buffett talks about it repeatedly. He's cited repeatedly in the book that, you know, if you're only utilizing the abilities of half your population, like that's a foolhardy plan. Mm-hmm. And so I think clearing the decks for everyone of merit is really important. And whether I, whether I like Kamala Harris's policies, you know, look, I'm not a political genius. I'm probably a terrible person to even like, I'm right there with you, you, man. (laughs) A strong stance on that. But, you know, I love what that, I love what that says about possibility. Does it frame it and differently now because this, you have a daughter? Do you have a different take on it now? I just feel it more. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh anybody who has kids will understand this, but you know, there's there's a difference. I I guess it's kind of the Brené Brown thing, the difference in empathy and sympathy. Like I probably could have always looked at the fact that we haven't had a female in the White House and been sympathetic to it. But sympathy is like seeing somebody in the well and saying, I'll throw you a rope. And empathy is seeing someone in the well and getting down in the well with them Mm -hmm. to help them climb out. Yeah. And when you actually get tied to the, you get close enough via emotional connection to whatever the problem is like then you really feel it you know what it is to be in the well so yeah 100 percent. you have a daughter and you care about it in a way you didn't prior mm-hmm. um the other thing i wanted to say about that is i and this kind of goes back to our conversation last week uh jeremy around masculinity and for those who didn't hear it i won't i won't belabor calling back to last week too much here but we were trying to pin down like what exactly is masculinity like what's what purpose does it serve and i think we get into when we talk about cultural ideas and we get in arguments about um really collective notions of a problem or of a situation it gets very easy to get into this chicken and the egg thing, right? So talking about masculinity, you can just say like, this is completely unhelpful. It prevents people's individual freedoms of like being whoever, expressing the person they want to be. They get boxed in by cultural ideas. Or it's that, well, there is such a thing as what we think of as a manly guy. Is it like, is it manlier to be the guy who wins the fight or be the guy who gets beat up in the fight, right? Like you'd, you'd traditionally be like, well, it's probably manlier to win the fight. 
Like, mm-hmm. and isn't it better to win the fight? Like, you know, you, you get, there is something real there. There's but like real issues. And so I get, so one of the things, oh, go, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, just real quick to like tie that back to the, to Kamala Harris is more often than not, whatever that idea is that's out there, like masculinity, it exists because there is something real in the world. Now, should we change that or not? That's another discussion. But not ever having a female in the White House, that's just indicative of a problem. It's that Mm -hmm. we're not using half of our population to the full extent of their abilities. And as a society, we should be looking to maximize all of our individuals, not just one sector. Yeah. And finally having Kamala Harris there, it does point to improvement. It is something that is worth celebrating and saying, look, we're, we still got a ways to go, but we're making progress guys. There's reason to be optimistic on portions of the effort. Yeah. So that's it. Sorry. No, 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 dude. I totally, I mean, I, I totally agree with that. I think that's, yeah, I mean, and and I can see it that there's this like visceral reaction in in some social medias can be terrible around times like this. It really can be. It can be, you know, we're all doom scrolling sometimes. And if, you know, if you get bored enough and you get to the end of the internet, you start clicking into comments and that gets even worse. Um, but you start to yeah. see you start to see people mentioning and saying things not not knocking maybe her uh track record from a political policy standpoint or her credentials but really just down like almost i would say backwards thinking like well she can't be qualified because she's a woman the only way she could have gotten into this role is through nefarious means and it's like yeah it's like <sighs> It's very, it's a very yeah, knuckle. Wrong. It's a very knuckle dragger comment. It's like, yeah, it's it's like, I, I, and I, and you know, there's still a large portion of of the society that's like, you know, women can't be in that position, and it's like, well, yeah, they can because they are, <laughs> and now they they will be for this point forward. It will not be a question of it. It really it gets it gets the pressure off. It's like, you know, can she become can she become the first vice president? Well. No, she, she can be a vice president. There's no, there's no like, it's just, just she's a person and she's capable and she's doing it. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Yeah, they can be, no, they can because they are is a hugely important point. There's a, there's a phrase, I think it comes from engineering, computer programming, but the acronym is POSIWAD. Okay. And it's the purpose of a system is what it does. And so exactly what you said, if you have a system that has churned out nothing but white male presidents, then that's why people point to that is an indictment on racism in the country mm-hmm. and systemic racism is because that's what the system has produced. Mm-hmm. And it's a really hard thing to argue against, uh, you know, because... As, as our old sales trainer Larry Long used to say, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah, right, right. You know, is 
you've have you cooked a good meal or not? I don't know. Let's taste it. That's terrible. Like the outcome tells you everything about the process. Yeah. So I just think that independent of your opinions on Kamala Harris personally, to say that uh, a woman in the White House is anything but progress is, it's either A, wrong, or it's B, an indictment on breaks in the system, which, you know, is a, a more complicated conversation, but I would also say is wrong. Right. Yeah, man. But, but yeah, dude, I think, look, I think it's a good thing, the the changing of the guard. We, I think we as a country have been like crazy for the last year, and we needed some sort of break. Just like, uh, you know, you and me have both gotten a Peloton in this past year. Yeah. And for the uninitiated, that's an indoor bike. Yeah. And if you just sit on the saddle of that bike and you push, it's exhausting. And it's also exhausting to stand up in the bike and push. But if you've been sitting, standing up feels like it's you're using different muscles. It's fantastic. And it feels like you're yeah, you get a reprieve. It's like, whew. Yeah. Thank goodness. And so at the very least this change, while I do agree with everything you're saying about, you know, it doesn't necessarily make things better or easier. All the problems we had before still exist. It is like a reprieve. We can push in a different way for a while. Yeah. And that's positive in my eyes. Yeah. You know, it, it, it feels like, um, you know, when it, it, it's, it's like this pressure was building up, building, building, building. And, and it's like, we just took the tea kettle off the, off the burner. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. what, what, you know, when, when the, when, when my you know European colleagues ask, you know, what, what are, what's my input or what do I think about it? It's like, um, you know, it was the, the inauguration and the first day in office was pretty uneventful and that's a good thing. <laughs> like, you know, there was, it's, yeah. it's, you know, and you, and you saw politicians on stage left you know democrat republican whatever cordial shaking hands you know doing what politicians do because that's what they sort of do and it's there's this sense of like normality there's a sense of normality that we haven't felt maybe in quite some time so whether whether you're talking about yeah yeah infighting outfighting whatever so well him this is probably my last thing on the topic and yeah, anything you all, else you have, like I'm sure I'll keep talking, but the, uh, I, there's something, a basketball coach I had when I was young used to say this all the time. And I, I find myself applying it to all sorts of walks of life is he would say a mistake hurts you way more than a good play helps you. And so like a turnover is way more damaging than a made basket is helpful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think about that all the time in terms of performance and particularly around a president, 
you know, we don't really have any good metrics for what makes a president good. There's Mm-mm. some, you could point to some things like, well, the unemployment rate and like that has flaws. Are we talking full-time unemployment? Does that have any bearing on income and living wage, et yeah, cetera? The stock market, you know, you could right. talk, yeah, the, the housing market, the gross right. domestic product, yeah, right, all of it. But there's no really good metric to say whether this person quantitatively is doing well or doing poorly at their job. It's not like hitting a sales quota, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. So, I think the thing I've, you know, I I don't know. I'll turn this over more, but a an erratic president hurts you way more than an uneventful president. Mm-hmm. And I think because for all the all the things you could nitpick at all our presidents, and look, we haven't had a perfect one since I've been alive. Right. The just having the stability, like that this person is going to do what you expect a politician to do, which I know is something people were sick of in 2016. Yeah. But I value that in a way I didn't value it four years ago. Yeah. And, and so I think that uh, uneventful is, I mean, it's kind of like uh, after you've been through a stock market crash and people say things like, flat is the new up. <laughs> it's like that's right. that's kind of what I'm going for here. Like, if this guy can just get back to being the usual disappointing politician, I'm gonna be, yeah. Heck, I'll I'll, I'll show back up in 2024. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny. So your your coach's nihilistic view there when he's 98 years old. Right. <laughs> he's just he's got a walker. He's just kind of creeping out there. Uh. You know, if you take that analogy to to um, you know, because you you also hear you 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 learn more in defeat or you learn more in a mistake than you do with a win or with uh, with you know something positive. And it's like for all of the things that maybe I, I don't know that you can say it objectively, but I'll say it as objective as I can that that Donald Trump being president exposed a lot of um. Uh, commonalities or what's the word I'm looking for? It's like sort of gentlemen's agreements that you don't do these X, Y, Z, you know, you, and then you, and then you dig into constitutional law and it's like, there's actually no law that prohibits a president from doing X, Y, Z. And so Mm -hmm. it sort of exposed, you know, I think our democracy or our democratic Republic is intended to be somewhat fluid We've gotten somewhat mm-hmm. more rigid about well, these are the, you know, the the amendments and these are the, this is the Constitution and these should never be changed. It's like well, it was written in a way that there is some fluidity to it, and there's rules that allow you to make some changes and put some put some bumpers up around the uh, the gutter, you know. So I don't know. It definitely exposed some things and and you know, on for on a good note, people are maybe more interested in politics and maybe have a little more understanding of politics but in a in a negative way it turned it into a reality tv show and that's not good for anybody because then it's who can grab the headline not are these people doing what's best for the most american people as they can you know that's just my opinion and i'll say anybody who's 
like really wants to dig in on this topic. Uh, I cannot the particularly what you just said about it becoming like a reality show versus talking about real issues and goals of the country and like what is actually good for Americans. Uh, I'd recommend Matt Taibbi's Hate Inc., mm. which really does an awesome job of documenting how we became polarized in the media and how that eventually uh, seeps into the consciousness of individuals, even those who aren't that interested in the news. Yeah. Um, and I guess I I just want to put this on the record. <laughs> I don't know. My mom might be listening. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that my whole life. I have been, I have considered myself of Republican values. And I, I still think that if I was talking about issues like, you know, Jeremy and I have texted a little bit and talked about it a little bit at the end of the last podcast, but like, I'd be pretty, pretty hard right on most of my policies, I think. Like the, particularly in the capitalism versus socialism, big government versus little government, I've always been very fiscally conservative. And yet, the sheer insanity, it's like I'm having a personal backlash where if you're listening to this, it sounds like I'm like, like I like Biden and I'm I'm a Bernie fan. And I don't think that's really true of me, but like those are kind of the options. Mm-hmm. And I have just been so disillusioned by people who I thought were were solid thinkers who could not detach themselves from the destructive nature of Trump as a person when it came to the election. Right. That I I find myself talking well of the other option available. And so I just wanna I just wanna say like I don't have an agenda here. It's like I'm right. True to the name of this podcast, I have found myself wondering about politics more than I ever have. And I don't really know where I land except that there was there was an option that got increasingly volatile on the right side of the political aisle. And so I find myself talking about the left side of the political aisle, even though how I really feel is that like sides are stupid. And what is, <laughs> what is the goal of like, what do we want for America? What do, like, don't we want individual well-being? Right. Like, so I don't know, man, I just want to get that on the record because I don't want <laughs> I don't know what I don't want. I don't want to be in a camp. I yeah. want to have time to figure this out. No, dude, I, I totally agree. And that's, you know, I mean, I, I've been the same way. I was, you know, I've I've sort of um, always leaned toward the kind of Republican side of things. And then I was kind of just turned off by the whole thing and made a hard pivot. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know. I have friends that are much more conservative. I have friends that are much more liberal and I interject some thoughts here and there, but I'm not so rooted in one side or the other that I think that somebody's an idiot for believing what they believe. You know what I mean? No, like, so, so I'm going on record saying I'm also in the middle, whatever that means. I just have nuanced yeah. thoughts and it's not as simple as, well, are you right or are you left? Or are you red or are you blue? It's like, it's not that easy. It's not that right. easy. You know, yeah, I'm a in human. the middle is probably like there's 
We need to like reconstruct the geometry of human alignment. Yeah. Like, just the fact that there isn't another place to talk. Like I'm in the middle. It's like, so what are you? A little red and a little blue? Right. It's like it still points to the fact that there's two primary options. And even though that's true, similar to what we were just saying about like what is masculinity, like the way you talk about these things does present limited options to people who may not have the time or the bandwidth to craft an independent ethos around how nation states should be ran. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, I guess say I'm in the middle, say I'm on the outside of it all, but it, it feels like those are kind of the options. Like, are you apathetic or do you, do you have a take? Right. I don't think it should be either one, right? right. It's, it's like I'm a free agent. I don't know. <laughs> I know, man. Tony Womack. Even I'll that bring makes it sound like I'm waiting to be signed. <laughs> yeah, right, right. We don't, no one wants you to. All right. Yeah, that's, that's probably true, actually. <laughs> uh, so I'll just say real quick, and then I didn't mean to talk about politics for the entire time, but I guess that's kind of the where we're at these days. Uh, you know, it's next a, week. It's, yeah, man, it's it's definitely. Um, I mean, like, 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 you know, it looks like it looks like we're lost, right? We're just we're just kind of sorting out the feelings around <laughs> around what this what this even means, and does it really mean any? Does it does it mean <laughs> that much? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, well, and also, this is probably a good place to talk about politics, right? Because what I don't I don't want to hash that out with my mother in law. Not really. Right. You know, it's like, and she's she's actually fantastic at being very measured on opinions about anything. Mm-hmm. But it's like I I don't want to go there with people in my life that might have sticky ideas. Like, yeah, I don't really talk to my own parents about politics. I don't I don't nope. like get into it with uh co-workers you know it's just like if i guess if i can't do it here that that's probably why it just comes pouring out of me is like i'm bottled up because you know you're thinking i mean i i have i have so many shadow arguments really with myself <laughs> like like yeah you yeah. believe this well you can't really fully believe this and so yeah it's hey man look it, it as we've talked about many times we're doing this to just kind of figure stuff out and talk about stuff and it's some time that we get to connect once a week Hey man, hopefully people listen and they have some input and, and, uh, they can leave that feedback for us, whether it's, you know, on social media or, you know, comments on the pod or, or they skip to the next one. I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's free country, yeah. man. Last time Let's I checked, off my nose. but yeah, but we, but all that to say anybody who listens, we do appreciate it. So <laughs> I feel like that's such a loaded statement these days. Yeah. It's a free country. Is it? Yeah. Is it? <laughs> All right. So uh, I'll pull touch your, on next week. Pull your mask down. I can't see you. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go ahead, man. <laughs> so uh, we will get off politics next week, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, we're having a guest on, uh, Michael Mabunga. And I used to work with Mike. You did as well. Yep. And then he did what I think is... Probably one of the things I'm most jealous of mm-hmm. uh, is he just stopped working and took an entire year to just travel 
the world. Yeah. You know, and not in that way. It's like, well, what's the, what's the longest period of time you've ever traveled? Not for work. Yeah. Two weeks. Right. It's like yeah, a true two vacation. Weeks. Family vacation, two weeks. Yeah. California, Nevada. Yeah. My, my longest period was two months it's right after college. Uh, Thailand and a job at the Beijing Olympics. And I mean, two months felt like it changed my entire worldview. Yeah. You know, I can. And so I am pumped to hear what a year does to somebody. And I guess just as much what it's like to come off the road, uh, which I assume has to be equally tough, like re shrinking the world. Yeah. But, uh, so I have so a lot of we, thoughts. So I'm excited about up, that. Yeah, I do too. It, if we just end up talking about like Joe Biden, I'm going to be so disappointed. <laughs> so we'll get off it next week. Uh, all right, man. The finding ourselves portion of the podcast where we draw a card from the We're Not Really Strangers self-reflection edition and do a little exploring. The card for this week. What is one truth I've recently come to terms with? What is one truth I've recently come to terms with? You know, for me... uh... Let me say what I'm thinking instantly and then um, yeah, talk through it. Yeah. I think one of the things, one truth that's is one truth that's recently uh, been revealed to me or been, what's, what's, what's the, that you've recently come to terms with. Yeah. I think it's that um, boundaries are healthy. And so, mm. um, regardless of of the relationship <clears throat> be it familial be it a friend coworker uh that you you as an individual have the ability to set a emotional or however you want to frame it fence around where people can get to you and how they can access you speak with you speak to you and um as you know I've always been someone that <clears throat> I tend to I've historically worried a lot about what people thought about me a lot of external validation um and uh to to be able to say well yeah you know, th- this person, when they get this, when they, when they get this way, it makes me feel really kind of like bad, shitty, you know, to, but, mm-hmm. but then if they, but then if they're one step before that, we can have a decent relationship that is kind of shaped and changed, like how I can be in relation with certain people. Um, and even myself to a degree, like 
hey, yeah, you can be tough on yourself if like, hey, you miss something, but but not too tough, right? And so, so that, that's something where you know someone who's sort of probably a let people beyond a boundary in order to get some sort of validation, and b pushed beyond someone else's boundaries probably knowingly you get a vibe you know when you're when you're pushing a little bit too far to get the validation of others in a group setting uh and so kind of recognizing that res- respecting having my own and and you know it's not like one fence built around me for everybody it's like I'm going to tell you things and talk to you about things, not on a podcast, but t- tell you and talk about things that I'm not going to talk with somebody else about. Right. And I'm going to allow you to push mm-hmm. a little bit harder on me on some things that somebody else I wouldn't, I wouldn't, or wouldn't allow them to do that. And in the same way, you know, I, I have certain relationships where I know we can push a little further and it won't be any, any mm-hmm. love lost. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's probably the, the biggest thing for me, man, is, is, uh, that and and if I tie that with, I think Jeremy said this. Um, you know, some a lot of the Stoics have said this is that, and it, I think it's even part of the, um, you know, the AA charter. It's like I can't control uh, my external factors. I can't control what happens to me in a lot of situations, but I can control what my response is to those external factors. And th- there's some mm-hmm. thinker from like the say, maybe the '60s who just said that that period of time between uh, an external force and your internal response that that's your that, that's you know if it, that's your ability to either respond or react. Um, and the longer mm-hmm. you can make that time, the more likely you are to respond thoughtfully. So those two kind of coupled together are probably the two truths that. I, I kind of pushed back on him and, and, and am just, am just now kind of coming to grips with. Yeah. I think the, uh, the time between, um, stimulus and response. Yeah. I want to say that's Victor Frankel. Yes. Yes. Uh, you're right. Yep. 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 Yeah. The Nazi camp survivor. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's awesome, man. And, couldn't be more on point with everything we're talking about with, uh, I think a lot of the confusion and stress that gets wrapped into politics and personal relationships and discussing Mm -hmm. political issues. You can save yourself a lot of pain if you have clarified boundaries on those relationships. Absolutely, man. Uh, we've, We've talked about that repeatedly around COVID and somebody wants to like come over or do something. And Katie and I spent a lot of time talking about having the ability to kindly articulate boundaries for the event. Right. You know, with, uh, her being pregnant and now, uh, an infant, um, and do that in a way that you don't put people off. Right. But there's a skill that when done well, everybody feels much better and your life goes a lot more smoothly if you can, one, understand the importance of boundaries and then lay them down clearly. And yeah. I'm trying to get better at it. It's lifelong battle. 
Yeah, I, and I think I've found, and you know, it can be put simply that you know those who don't respect or or those who get upset by your boundaries don't respect them anyway. Um, mm. but you know that that is a little bit based on what you just said about how you deliver those boundaries. Um, has a lot of him, but but it, but I feel like to have some some individuals in my life where no matter how thoughtful I am about trying to accommodate and let that person let that person or those people as close to me as as I feel comfortable right now and that could change right it's not like you set it in the ground and you plant it in cement it's like a moving thing but no matter how much compassion I try to deliver it with no matter how many times I even practice what I'm going to say it's met with animosity and you know that unfortunately I think that then ends up you know you have to I have to come to terms with, I have to then push that back even further, you know? So I don't know, man, it's, it's both, it can still be difficult, even though it's healthy. I know it's healthy. Yeah. You know, and of course it's difficult. It's, it's loss. Like particularly the thing you're pointing out there, like you want to just be open and giving and accepting and have this huge highway of a life that is easy for everyone around you to travel, but that's not realistic. Yeah. (laughs) We don't have that kind of capacity. Uh, and once your life becomes in debt to others, like, you know, a wife and kids learning, learning to really constrict those boundaries is, you know, it's, it reminds me of the Jocko willing thing, the discipline equals freedom. Yeah. Like that. That's really all all it is is, you know, a good boundary is having discipline. Yeah. Uh, no, man, I love that. That's an awesome. Yeah. So what? Like, what? What would be tattoo uh, that? Tattoo that on my butt cheeks. I know, man. Tell the world uh, to kiss your ass. <laughs> 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 that's one of my. That's one of my dad's favorite that's, jokes. He's like, "When I'm dead and gone, bury me face down in the grass and tell the whole world to kiss my ass." <laughs> it's classic hey if if it rhymes it's wise oh yeah man uh and i was gonna say mine and it kind of segues nicely off of yours i was just talking to katie about this today uh i think is best surmised and uh a truth i've come to terms with is bad feelings equal good data mm. and the there's a Jonathan Franzen novel called Purity, and in it, the the main character envies dogs because there's no such thing as bad smell to a dog. <laughs> and the, I love that. It always stuck with me, right? <laughs> like, a dog can stick its nose in a pile of fresh steaming crap yeah. and not blink an eye. Yeah. You know, and I was trying to think about like why that is. And it's that a dog is such a talented smeller that it's not bad to them. It's just information. Mm -hmm. And it's like uh, nature evolved the dog because if a dog smelled the crap and was repulsed and it's just like, oh, that's awful they wouldn't hang with it long enough to get the information they needed. <laughs> right. What's, what's in this? What ate this? Where's the, where's the food possibly coming from? Where's the predator 
possibly going. You know, it's yeah. it's really valuable stuff if you've got the nose to work through it. And I tr- it's it's like the closest a dog can come to intellectually constructing a path. Yeah. And I think that there's a great human parallel to that, which is we get information all the time, right? Like, but your, your skill set around the information, how hard you've worked to understand it is the difference between stress and, uh, and courage really to a large degree. Like think about a CPA. If you give a CPA like a stack of bills that just denote all this bad credit, he can start constructing a plan to like mow down each individual thing that you need to pay off and like, here's how we're going to get out of this. We can climb out of this. If you give that same stack of bills to like a 21-year-old, I don't know, server, bartender with student loan debts mounting. Right. Like they'll probably just shove that box in their closet and bury it with some clothes because I can't look at it. It's too painful. And they've got no shot at solving the problem anymore. Yeah. And so I've, I have, I've, I'm not saying I've, I've solved this or I've got an answer for it, but it's just the recognition that when something hits me and it's stressful, like, that is a good thing. That is a reward. It lets me know what to push against. Like, this is good information for how I can improve my life. Mm-hmm. Like, let me start ironing this out. Let me stay in the fight here. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've tried to get less and less reactive, similar to what you said, to my bad feelings. Yeah. Because really that's excellent information. Yeah, Jeremy would... Uh... But it would have a good take on that too. You know, Jeremy's really into meditation and therapy, and and you're right. It's like so often we we get that feeling, this bad feeling or bad thought. You're like, well, then I am that thought or that feeling, right? Instead of sitting with it, questioning, well, what is what's causing that? What's the body saying about that? And then you know, it's not like you have to push it out, you know, cause I, I've done this so much where you get this feeling and you're like, Oof, I have to distract myself now to get that out of my mind. Well, that just means it's going to come back again. If you can be curious about it. And like you said, gather that data, the next time it comes, you, it's almost like a, fam- it's a fam- familiar feeling. It's like, Oh, there's that again. And it's less intense and you know where it came from, you know? And, and yeah, I think that's awesome, dude. All right. Recommendations. Today. Recos. Let me do a quick recommendations. Reco. What? Dude, just, do the wreck. I'm just going to wreck. Yeah, I'm just going to uh, wreck them. Damn near killed them. I, uh, <laughs> so, so, Classic. yeah, I'll, 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 um, from, from my final question answer, I know I've mentioned this a couple times, but I finally was able to pull up like the, the title of the book and the authors. Um, but, uh, the book, Boundaries. It was a New York Times bestseller. I think it's. I don't know. It's. It's been around for quite some time. Um, but it's boundaries. Uh, when to say yes. How to say no. To take control of your life. If someone just gave me that title, it's by Henry Cloud. But if someone just gave me that title, it would feel like a some kind of hokey Joel Olstein type 
uh, novel, you know, like win, win the game and kind of thing. But it's, it's, <laughs> it's super practical. There's a ton of, um, I mean, as I'm reading through it, like the, the stories, this, this guy is a, I think that it's, there's a, there's a, uh, it's Christian based, but it's not like Christian in your face kind of thing. It's, you know, it's, it's really well done as a thera- uh, a therapist, psychologist, and and the examples that they give, whether they're real people or not, it's you. I could feel myself putting myself, some as I mentioned earlier, sometimes as the one being boundaries um, violated, and sometimes being the violator of boundaries. And so mm-hmm. you know that book, in and of I, I can't recommend it enough. That it's it's sort of shaped how I am relationally with, with people. And it's, you know, it's, I still apply a lot of it. And I read it two or three years ago. So. Hmm. No, I've, I probably need to read that. I, the fact that I had a thought within the last few days, I thought of myself as like, Hey, I'm an open person. I, I don't ask too much of people. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, yeah, but I can make people ask a lot of me because I expect that same openness from them and then I'm very encroaching on encroaching on their their lifestyle. Yeah. And make it hard on. The fact that that idea hit me like a revelation like, "Whoa, I might need to dial it back." <laughs> <laughs> like thinking of the flip side, I probably have a lot of work to do there. Yeah, man. That's uh, the that that that, that, that I, really hit me, so no, much appreciated, and yeah, man. for everybody listening, I'll put a I'll put a link to uh, the book boundaries in the show notes. Um, my recommendation, I've tried to uh, to stay away from just here's what I'm watching, but <laughs> but let me tell you, you know, what I'm my, watching. My life is <laughs> <laughs> well, dude. Actually, I'll. I'll I'm going to do a double wreck. One is yes. just like me trying to be intellectual. And uh, the most recent episode of the uh, the Sam Harris podcast, you know, your, your mileage may vary on uh, Sam Harris in general. Um, I won't make any comments about it. I, I go back and forth on, you know, my love for him. But... He has on uh, Stanley McChrystal, who was uh, a JSOC general back in the mid early two thousands when we were going everything going out through everything in post nine eleven, and he just talks specifically about America's situation in regards to his experience in counterterrorism, mm-hmm. and thinking of like the events that have unfolded in the you know the riots all over, not just the one recently at the Capitol, but, you know, uh, Oregon is, has been a hotbed in the news, but just nationwide about how what we're dealing with is domestic terrorism. And I thought it was an incredibly insightful approach to the topic that was very open-minded about like when you should and shouldn't use force, how much education is involved, like why you have to think of this as uh, 
you know, as diabetes versus a heart attack mm-hmm. and the way that you treat it. It was, uh, and you know, they really, he tells a story of how back in the 2000s, they, they really threw out the playbook in terms of uh, how they would handle um, warfare and rebuilt it from the ground up. And I thought it was a pretty nice perspective for when all the other things I've heard have basically been like pre-baked answers to support a perspective. Yeah. And he's talking about, yeah, I do have experience in this, and my experience is that we need to start from zero. Mm. Um, so I'll, be I'll say that. I'll be interested in in, uh, in listening to that for sure. Yeah, and it's not too long. It's like 45 minutes. Yeah. You know, you can knock that out on a Peloton ride. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just skip the class. The <laughs> The thing I've been watching <laughs> that I'm excited about is uh, it's called Love Life. It's okay. on HBO. Stars Anna Kendrick. Okay. Who is an incredibly small human being. Very small. She's in some wide shots on that show, and she must be like 5'1". <laughs> But well, you ha- you have to be pretty short bring to play a troll. <laughs> <laughs> I I bring up uh, love life because I think it's a pretty great narrative for the type of stuff we talk about a lot on this podcast. It's the story of a millennial in New York City who, and it takes place over several years of her life, and the episodes jump in based upon like who she was dating or a friend or a parent that she was figuring out different aspects of love and how to reconstruct its direction in her own life. Uh, And I think it does a great job of applying some modern things that might've been had a stigma to them decades ago. Yeah. But to millennials and younger make a lot of sense. Like, you know, why therapy can be so freeing and why it's so intimidating. Um, mm-hmm. the, the destruction that can happen by linking yourself to a person too long or not long enough, choosing career versus an individual and how that shapes your life. It's, it's a lot of young person, real life stuff, and it's charming. So, uh, you sold me. It's, I'm in. It's about somebody who's it's it's about somebody who's lost exploring their life. <laughs> we should have her on the show. <laughs> I'll DM her. Yeah. We'll, we'll get her on. That'll be a big get for us. Yeah. That... <laughs> what, what what do you think? Would that be our biggest guest to date? Uh, hard to say. <laughs> Prop. It, it would be our guest with the worst hair. Put it that way. <laughs> Well, dude, I, I that's that's amazing. That that could actually possibly be a truth. That might that might be an actual truth. Yeah, yeah, I know, man. We we need to and and Mike is not gonna uh, is not gonna change that. He's gonna continue to apply the pressure. <laughs> no, the only hope we got is that Mike's doing like some short haired shaved right crop guy. If he comes on with flowing locks, well, I'll be I'll be delighted, but also. I'll feel immediately insecure once again. Exactly. Exactly. Well, dude, I, I'm, you know, I, whether, whether or not we intended to talk about politics for 30 minutes, um, 
it was nice to hash it out with you. And uh, yeah, man, I make a promise that next week we won't even we won't even get remotely close to it. Well, I can't make that promise because you never know. The the conversation yeah. goes, but I'm not steering that ship. Well, everything bows at the altar of politics. It's the true statement. It's what they say. Yeah. Yeah, man. Thanks for, hey, as always, thanks for letting me work through some stuff. It was an honor. Um, if if you ever need anything, shirt off my back. <laughs> what else do you need to hear? You know, you know, you hit me with two good recommendations. That's all I need, man. All right, dude. I'll, all right, dude. Uh, I'll talk to you next week, if not sooner. Sounds good, brother. See you, man. 